Welcome into Smooth Operators with your hosts, Noah, Griggs, and Ben, going through the world of Formula One. If you want to interact with the show today, you can tweet at us at Noah underscore Phillips, at Junior underscore McClurkin, and at the Griggs B. It's time for the green flag, and it's lights out, and away we go. And welcome into Smooth Operators here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Uh, my name's Noah Phillips, man to my right's Cleggs Brankenberg. The man in front of me is Ben McClurkin, who I think just punched our desk here in the studio, son. What is that? I don't know. I was jump scared by the audio. It was way too high in my headset, and um, I didn't punch well, it. I need it because well, I jumped out of my seat. Well, whose fault is that? I, I guess it's mine, but I had to turn it down past also halfway. Could, also could be the guy potentially running the board. Maybe. Uh, no, that's not on me, brother. I don't know. Maybe. That's, possibly. you got to like put it on beforehand. But it's, oh, okay. But yeah, okay. It's, it's good to be back. Did you guys miss me last week? No. Probably not. I know. I was listening to the whole show. Actually, I listened to 30 minutes of the show because these people in here made up a lie, said we weren't going live. We didn't make up a lie. We convinced you that our show was canceled due to training of other staff members, and you bought it. We didn't make up anything that wasn't. That wasn't true or untrue because it never existed in the first place. Slander. He's got you. All right. Well, but we're back, and we had a race last weekend, so let's go through a Didn't quick, we, though? Potentially. What let's, a race. Let's do a quick recap of what happened. The Formula 1 Lenovo Japanese Grand Prix 2023 was won by Mr. Max Verstappen. 26 points goes to him. Second place, Lando Norris and McLaren, 18 points, followed by Piastri. So a double podium for McLaren. Oh, yeah. Oscar Piastri in third with 15 points, followed by Charles Leclerc, 12. Oh, in fourth, Lewis Hamilton, fifth. Carlos Sainz, sixth. George Russell, seventh. Fernando Alonso, eighth. Esteban Alcon, nine. And rounding out the point scorers is Pierre Gasly. Yep. It was exciting. Uh, it was good to see McLaren on the podium. In a double podium, Oscar's uh, first podium. And was that the first time it's happened since 2021? Yes. Where they won it all? Hmm. Yes, that was the first time since they won two that they had a double podium. Uh, and it's Oscar Piastri's highest ever finish, his debut podium. Um, good race for him. He, he drove very well. Um, we, got to see, we got to see a lot of good on-track action. Um, Sergio Perez having... A very eventful weekend. He retired <laughs> to from kick the off race. the highlights. He retired from the race twice. Went through four front wings. Uh, unretired from the race. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. Finished there. finished the race retiring while six laps down. Uh, let's just say ha- he had an eventful outing. Wait, wait, I I kind of saw that, but like I fell asleep during the race because I think that's the How only. Could it's you? the only race I fall asleep at during like every year. I try How so hard. Could you? The three a.m. just. Or 2 a.m. is a little more. It was, was absolutely I was wild. in Texas. Uh, okay, so it was on Central Time. Wow. <laughs> it's still tiring. Difficult. <laughs> but my thing was, like, how how do you let that really happen? Like, what's the point? Okay, so what happened was Perez started way down the field mm-hmm. and proceeded to try to charge back up the field in a car that was much faster than everybody else's. Basically, if you play the F1 game, it's like when you're driving around and the AI is on like 54 difficulty. It's it's pretty easy, um, but it's challenging to get by sometimes. Uh, and when certain drivers wouldn't let him through easily, he just kind of drove into him. 
it was it was horrible. It really was one of the worst performances I've seen by a driver in a top team in a very very long time. Um, and the commentators were more than forgiving. I I think if it was Martin Brundle <laughs> on the call, it would have been um, a little bit less generous towards Sergio Perez. But Anthony Davidson, he does a good job. Anyways, not talking about commentary because I'm not a commentator. I'm a podcaster. Uh, no, you're not. You're just a guy. All right, you're talking to the microphone. You were not a podcaster. That's fine. I'm a you man, were just a guy. I'm a man who speaks into a mic, but I spit facts right now. Mm. And and Perez drove one of the worst races I've ever seen from a top driver. Was it ever. though? Yes, was it, it was. It was. It was See, horrific. You're thinking in terms of what the driver was doing. All right, Did helmet you, Marco mess with his car. Maybe what we don't know that. But what you have to think about is television ratings. Oh, my goodness. I don't have the numbers pulled up, but you know that made for an exciting race that brought in some viewers. Except it didn't because it was at 1 in the morning. Well, okay. Maybe you got me there. I I did get you there. Okay, but maybe on the other half. See, the thing is, the thing is. It produced a great race in the entertaining department. I mean, I guess. I was just genuinely confused. Um about what was going on because none of it made any sense. So Perez stormed the field on lap two, damaged his front wing in plate, had to come in for the pit stop, got him a new front wing. He goes back out, is dead last, overtakes about two cars, and then he runs into the back of another car. And then he comes back in, pit stop, changes the front wing, uh, minor suspension damage, they say, or whatever. Maybe some floor damage. And then he drives into the side of Yuki Sonoda. Comes back into the pits. Gets a new wing. They give the car a once over. Send him back out. And the cycle continues until they finally say, Sergio, you're you're driving like hot dog water. What are you playing at? <laughs> are you trying to ruin everyone else's race? Have and you, are you trying to break our car? Have you lost the plot? He literally was driving it around like that front wing was a rubber bumper. Do you think, though, that that may have played a part into it, though? Because I don't think oh the car word. was 100%. And I think, honestly, it could have been like he was driving a stock car out there instead of a Formula I, I just don't think he was at all where he needed to be um, in the first place. And the fact that he's in such a quick car around such a quick circuit so far down the field is his own doing. And because of that, his lack of qualifying pace, the the car's insane race pace is actually too much for him to handle and he winds up making clumsy mistakes like that. It's and I've I've been an advocate for keeping Perez around. He's doing a great job. And I've I've said that he needs to stay for another year. That race was just one of the worst performances I've ever seen from him. It was horrendous. It really was. Lance Stroll esque. It was worse than that. Whoa. It wasn't. Whoa. It's know- like it's like you take Nicholas the TV and put him in a car, an F1 car, and everybody else is in an F2 car, but all the F2 cars have to do is not let him through. That's wow. what it was. It was and honestly, Latifi's not that bad because he drove in Formula One. Let's take an accident-prone F2 driver, put him in an F1 car, and then have everybody else be in an F2 car. That's what it was. It was... It was shockingly bad. Um, <laughs> in other news, uh, 
McLaren drove really well. They had a great race. Um, There's they still got a chance, boy, man, to do. They some do. Things. They could do. I some mean, damage. looking at the looking at the constructor standings right now, they're at 172. They're about 49 points off Aston Martin, but again, that's doable. A one, two, a two, three like that again can that'll, change a lot of things close around. That up, yeah. Don't think they're gonna catch Merck. I mean, they might. Ferrari would have to fumble it pretty bad. I mean, which they're not gonna do. I mean. With Aston Martin, it just got to the point where like they started out so hot, but then they just couldn't keep up with the developments those I, other teams. I don't think like. they're worried about it. I think they're already focused on next season's car, and they probably did that early because the pace was faster than expected. Um, I'm not really sure what went down in the development, but it it certainly seems like they slowed down the development of their car way before anybody else did, in order to focus on having next season's cars really, really dialed in because they are getting new facilities. Those mm-hmm. will be done by next year. So they're going to have their own wind tunnel. They're going to have their own um, offices, and it's all going to be like – Still don't make their own engines. It's all going to be like three minutes away from Silverstone. And it's this huge facility that they're building. And you know who's smart with the facilities? Really, who? Haas, because they got three American races now. Less travel. <laughs> Boom. Except for the fact that their cars are all built, like, in... Shh, it's about the principle that matters. <sighs> okay. It's, it's about where, where you have to pay your taxes at. That's there. right. <laughs> it's about where you have to pay your taxes. Is that why they're in North Carolina? Yes, they are. That's exactly <laughs> why. Well, North Carolina's not the... Like, they would they didn't, they would have gone to, like, Florida or, like, Coda or near Coda, maybe. What, kind of, what kind of sales tax y'all got out there, Griggs? I don't know. They definitely could have made more money going to, like, Texas or Florida, though. I'll tell you that much. Um... But looking at the driver standings, also you have Lando Norris, who another podium away or podium or two away from passing Chuck Leclerc in number six on the spot right there. He could potentially pass Carlos Sainz. Yep. He could, I think he can get all the way up to close to Lewis Hamilton. Maybe potentially passing because how many races do we have left? We have like what six, seven? Let me count. Uh, seven. Yeah. Seven. Because you have you have Coda Qatar. Uh, Brazil, Mexico, Mexico, Vegas, Vegas, Abu Dhabi. Dhabi. So six, six, yeah. So he could. That's doable. It's not. It's not the most likely outcome, but I think he could definitely get. I think he can crack the top five. It's not certain, and there there are definitely certain tracks that favor Mercedes's performance over McLaren's performance, and there are certain tracks that favor Ferrari over Mercedes and McLaren. So it's going to be difficult. But I think it's possible, and I think McLaren looks like the most win-capable team. Um, if Red Bull has an off day, and they, they seem like they seem like at the moment, um, aside from you know Carlos Sainz's performance, shout out Ferrari, yeah, um, to be to be the team that's most capable of picking up points. And Sainz's win was spotless um, at Singapore. I mean, it was it was a perfect race for him, but. Yeah, Japan obviously was a bit of a different story. He still finished ahead of Leclerc at the end of the race, if I'm correct on that. Um, it just seemed like it seems like Sainz is finding his footing right now on the team, and it it seemed like he was a bit of a replaceable driver when he first came on. You know, Charles Leclerc, the prodigy of the lower categories, impressive. Um, and Alfa Romeo immediately got promoted to Ferrari, um, 
and then Signs is kind of brought along to be his number two, right? But but what we're seeing is that Signs is very very consistent, and he his driving style is is very smooth. Um, it's got a bit of a rally influence from his dad. You can tell when he can find the grip, it's it's there, and when it's not, he's still in control, which is impressive. But you know. I still think Leclerc is going to be a clear number one in that team, but we'll see how that pans out for the rest of the season. I think there's there's a lot of stuff to look forward to, you know, like what what the McLaren situation is going to be, um, what what the driver lineup is going to look like for AlphaTauri in the next two years. Um, there's just a lot going on, man. There really is. And this race kind of highlights all of it, you know. Alfa Romeo was nowhere to be seen. Haas was down the back, man. It Renault was not Renault. Alpine was just kind of all over the place. Wound up finishing in the points due to you know a really good drive by Pierre Gasly. I think it's just it it was very status quo, um, but it was also very very interesting because there was a lot of back and forth action. And I'd say I'd say I thoroughly enjoyed Japan, and it was worth staying up for. God was it hard. Good oh, God. boy. I watched a little bit. I was bit. so tired. I fell asleep for 10 laps. Listen here, after seeing honest with the folks out there. In oh, like 100 degree weather in Texas and closer to God than the field, I was not going to be able to stay for that whole race. Yeah, it was it was difficult, but I'm glad I managed to stay awake. You know what I'm glad for, Ben? What's that? Our next segment, we're talking about driver contacts Ooh, here yeah. on the show. We're getting down to the wire. Only one seat remaining. We'll break that down and much more coming up on the next segment of Smooth Operators right here on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back to the Smooth Operators Podcast. I'm your good friend, Ben McClurkin. Joined alongside me, Griggs Blankenberg. And on the board, Noah Phillips. We're taking it real easy here today. Talking about contracts and signings and seats and Logan Sargent, potentially. Uh, wow, that was a hard cut. Um, it was a hard cut. Logan Sargent, Logan Sargent is going to be our topic of the hour, not this, not not of the though. entire hour, just at the moment. So yeah, but we'll get talk- into that a little bit, sir. Talking about first is we have a new full team signing announced. It was the I think last week. I think it was actually like Saturday. I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, where Alvatari confirmed that Yuki Sonoda and Daniel Ricardo will be driving for Red Bull's sister team, Alvatari. Yep. 2024, both of them getting a one year extension on their deal so that leaves one seat remaining yes it does means one seat is remaining but we will talk about in a second let's look at the current state of affairs for contracts in f1 the longest contract in f1 still is of course max Verstappen, with a contract lasting until 2028 that's the longest by about two more years than the next closest the next longest contract is Oscar Piastri with McLaren. 2026. 2026. Then we have three drivers with 2025. That is Lewis Hamilton, George Russell, and Lando Norris. All three British drivers are at the 2025 mark. And then everyone else is is in a one-year contract. So it's Lance Stroll, 
uh, Fernando Alonso for Aston Martin, Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz for Ferrari, Pierre Gasly and Esteban Alcon for Alpine, Al, um, Alexander Albon with Williams with 2024, um, Kevin Magnussen, Nico Hulkenberg, 2024 for Haas, uh, Valtteri Bottas and Guan Yuzhou, 2024, Alfa Romeo, and then, of course, we just talked about it, Yuki Sano, Daniel Ricciardo, 2024, Al, Alfa But now that leads one person whose name I did not mention yet. Yep. It is Logan Sargent, the lone American from Florida, USA. Yep. He's the only driver who is currently still racing on the grid right now and is without a point, but he is... Well, except for Nick DeVries. That's why I said currently still racing. The then. only driver that has not scored a point this season and is still active. Yeah, that's, that is true. Logan Sargent... Has had some bad luck come his way lately. Well, the whole season pretty much. Um, he's made a lot of mistakes. That's true. And that's to be expected of a rookie. But I, I think it's coming. It's coming soon. Um, Las Vegas, be, yeah, Vegas wins the race. Vegas could be a perfect opportunity for him to score points just due to the high-speed nature of that track and the, those characteristics favoring the Williams. You know, Alex Albon is getting way more out of that car than Logan is, but that's because Logan's a rookie, and Alex has driven some absolutely horrible cars in his career, and Logan has driven no cars in his career up until this point. So, uh, you got to be a little forgiving for that, but also, there are times when he makes mistakes which are overcommitment, which I think is a good thing to have, versus, you know, someone who drives a little bit too conservatively mm. as a rookie. I think I think you can see that he's developing more and more confidence but that does lead to mistakes. Um, that's a part of it. Uh, and I think it's important for him to be in an environment where he feels comfortable and secure. And mm, I don't know about I don't know about giving him a contract right now, but we're not going to fire you midseason is kind of where, where Williams is at. But it, it definitely seems like it's an inevitable, an inevitable thing given um, the fact that he has great financial backing by some of their sponsors. But – it's not directly from him. Um, he's shown that he has genuinely good pace at times. He's not slow. That's that's what's interesting. That is very true. He's he, an American, Ben. He's not. Of course, slow. he's not slow. He's he's lower. He's not slow. But what he what he lacks in consistency, he makes up for in pace. And I think that's something that shows a lot of potential. It, it's his maximum potential higher than somebody that's in a lower category or currently racing in another series. I don't know. That's that's kind of where you have to look at your options, right? And before you give him a contract, you got to say, "Look, are you going to outperform hypothetically another rookie driver next season?" Maybe, maybe not. And is it a better investment in the long run for like 2-3 years down the road? Are you going to be better in 2-3 years than somebody would be if we swapped you out and you know, there's no telling, right? Only time will tell, but that's what they're looking at right now with contracts. Um, and I think that can make, that can make things very interesting, um, with, with that situation. Uh, the other big part that you kind of touched on a little bit is, is Williams going to be better off financially if they take another rookie than this hmm. cowboy from Florida that they got up there in that Williams seat right now. How much money? That kid's can, from Fort Lauderdale. He has no experience with cows. Uh, all, 
all Americans are cowboys to Europeans, Ben. Come I on, guess. I guess. All, We're all John <laughs> Wayne mean, up there. I mean, I think Man. the only. I mean, if they're just looking for anyone else, I mean, I was going to bring this up in the next time. I guess we'll just merge it into now. Um, James Vowles, the Williams boss, says the team is nowhere near parting company with Logan Sargent, who the team wants to keep in the car for 2024. So yeah. It sounds like it's on Logan's end. It where, is. Where it is. I mean, which I'm, is. Imagine he'll, which is a weird position. That he's well, not yeah. the type, he is not the level of driver where he should be able to command that. Well, that's the thing, though. I, I think it's not it's not should I stay with Williams or go somewhere else. It's should I stay in Formula One or not. Is the, Am I cut out for this? And it's it's him making a career decision saying, should I continue with this and risk ruining my career, or should I move on to a different field of motorsport and be fairly successful there? Um, you know, because, like, there have been drivers who have absolutely failed miserably in Formula One that have had great success in other places, right? Mm-hmm. I mean... You look at a lot of those drivers in the past. Um, yeah, that that have won Le Mans and won other series and just never even been a contender in Formula One. But taking taking your competition elsewhere doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're less of a driver um, in that regard. You know, who knows? He could he could do great in somewhere like IndyCar. Or, but I don't imagine him wanting to give that up. Like I, I doubt it. Nothing in me seat. thinks he'll leave. Exactly. It's an I F1 doubt seat. it. It's so rare. I think he'll. I, I, he'll I think he's, he's going to stare for he's at least stare. one more. Which is, yeah. When's the last time that? Well, technically Daniel Ricciardo is coming in, so that technically yeah. changes it by one person. Yeah. But like, when's the last time like everything, quote unquote, has stayed the same? Because since technically he has been a driver for this team this year, so the lineup is still last technically time the same. there was no turnover. At the end of the season, so the beginning of the season. Let me think. It's at least been one year. That, that's one thing we know. Yeah, it's, at least it's wasn't happened, last year. It's happened before. Um, it wasn't last year. No, I don't want to know when the last death was in Formula One. Google's Griggs. being Google's being weird right now. Griggs, buddy. Last that's time. messed up. That, don't blame me. Blame Google. Anyways, while Griggs talks about this, I, I wanted to speak a little bit about whatever Alpha Tower is going to be called next year. Um, this is an interesting situation because Alpha Tower, after 2025, whatever their name will be, will not be powered any longer by Honda. And it seems as if Honda teams are obligated to have a Honda dr- or, or a Japanese driver, uh, specifically a Honda-backed one. Um, and so there's there's potential that Yuki Sonoda could wind up going to Aston Martin. We'll see. Anyways, Griggs, what's your you raised your hand. I think I got it, but I don't think I got it at the same time. All right, what is it? It's talking about how in um there was no driver changes during the season, which the last time that happened was two thousand eight. Even though Super well, Aguri F one team withdrew during the middle of the season. Yeah, so that does count. So um, that does what about what about out of season? Like no off season driver changes. That's a that's a good way to refine. I would search. I would say I'd be very surprised if this doesn't result in yeah. the nineteens. Oh, I mean nineteen ninety something. Because no, it's not. Uh, I don't know, man. There was some there was some crazy turnover in like ninety four. Well, yeah, but I mean, like going back the last couple of years, it feels like there's always been at least one change. Yeah. Also, in twenty eighteen, there was no changes during the season. 
What about out of season? I'm still trying to find it. If anyone knows, please let us know on our Twitter or X page, whatever you call it now, at SMOP Podcast. If you do feel so inclined. In season um, changes would be, would be, you know. I don't. I uh, can't find. It. We'll try to. We'll, that'll be our go for next. Our next show. We'll try to figure yeah. out when the last time that's yeah, happened. Yeah, we'll get but that. We'll get that info to you guys for sure. I think. But no, I think Logan deserves another chance. I mean, hopefully he'll score points here because we just F one is just grasping and clawing for an American to be successful. Yeah. But, in the in the current state of it, since it's growing so much in America, you have three races in the United States. But he's not the American future of F one. He is. He is not. But he not. gets some more eyes on it that could potentially lead to well, that he, American. What he future. needs is. I think now, like growing up, like people in, over here, there'll be more people be becoming F one drivers than it was in the past. Just in what is it, fifteen, twenty years down the line. Yeah. Yeah, because no, not as many people in America were watching uh, Formula One back in the early two thousands as they are now. Yeah. Well, it got it got really big. Um, before 2005, and then the Indianapolis race was such a disaster. I was about to say, racing as a whole got bigger because that's when NASCAR was also taking off yeah. and kind of... Pre, um, pre-2005 was a golden age for motorsports in the United States, and it seemed like we kind of went into a bit of a dark age between 2005 and 2015. And it's it's making a gradual comeback, motorsports is... Um, and it's interesting how it kind of follows the patterns of other sports here. When other sports have dominant periods, for instance, like the Patriots and the mid-20, actually just all of the 2000s, um, and, and other teams in the MLB having dominant runs. The, like, pro- the problem like with that, though. And with the Cavs and the all of that seems to kind of follow the ebb and flow of the popularity of motorsports here. And that may just be coincidence. I'm not really sure. but The the issue, though, with motorsports versus the other sports here is when you have a dominant team, you don't always have to watch them until you get down to the finals and stuff yeah. like that. If you were born in the Larry Bird, Magic Johnson era, you can go watch the Bucks play. You can go watch play the Bucks, play the 76ers, and not really be affected by that. Still have a good time. Still don't know who's going to win it. Yeah. And then down the line, you know, you got the finals where you had to watch Magic and Bird. Or you look uh, at the NFL while the Patriots were dominating. You could still watch the Giants play the Jets and have a very good time. The New Jersey showdown. The New Jersey showdown or, like, watch <laughs> Miami play the Rams. Yeah. When you look at motorsports, you're always watching one team or one person finish first it's like what i've been trying to tell alex uh houston good friend of the show stop watching for first place yeah go just cover it up and just Follow watch it. everybody else Follow i've seen the memes team. i've seen the memes on tiktok where people will get like a piece of tape and cover up max that's kind of funny uh, max's name so it just like looks like it's like looks Somebody different yeah. yeah yeah and i mean i get that i understand that but also you have to accept that that comes with motorsports in general there's because it's such a technical sport and very competitive and the field is generally spread out, you know, not everyone can finish first and not everyone can win. Not like some people are on a regular basis. Yeah. A winless season in, in any other sport where there's multiple teams competing is almost impossible uh, over a long season in professional sports. Right. But, but in F one, you know, you have you have teams that go winless because that's just the nature of the beast. Because it's twenty te- or ten teams competing at 
to get first, not 10 teams competing to get the most wins. So it, it's it's a different animal, and I think that you have to understand that when you watch motorsports. You just got to accept sometimes that some teams are going to dominate. You know who else wins regularly on a regular basis? Us. Red Bull. We're going to talk about that next. How long can Red Bull's dominance remain in Formula 1? All that and more coming up next right here on Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Smooth Operators on Legal 91.1 FM. If you're just joining us, we have talked about contract negotiations, the Japan Grand Prix, and today, folks, we will answer the tough question, is Red Bull good? Anybody want to answer it, like have some thoughts about that off the top of your head? Just give me a second to think about how Didn't know we were getting... We are answering the the tough questions here on Smooth Operators. I don't, I don't even know how to respond to that. This that's, is tough journalism. That's folks. that's difficult. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say yes. I mean, they're all right. They seem to be doing just fine. They seem to be doing okay. Yeah, but they're, they're all right at this whole Formula One thing. But the real question is, how long will their technical dominance continue? And I, I don't feel like that's going to be a a difficult thing to answer. Um, yes, they're good. That's not what we're getting at. That's though. not what we're worried about. We're getting about. at Noah did that to get the engagement up. So if you're listening because of that, good job, Noah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. But let's talk about this now. So Red Bull won the driver's championship by Japan. So they won every race but one up until this point. Yep. They did that. Six hundred and twenty three points. What's the all well they probably gonna break the all time record. Because they the of the added races, but then yes. they, then again they did remove the Imola. Um, it will add Chida or off the calendar, Imola so it's Inchina. actually the same as previous seasons, um, which is funny. But you know, still more races than the last highest points scoring team. Um, I'm assuming that's Mercedes. Max Verstappen would still be winning the constructors championship by himself. Yep, which is unreal. Sergio Perez would still be, what, barely hanging on to second in the Drivers' Championship. He's at two twenty three. No, he would not be. He would actually be in. If he was a driver, in fourth place. If he he would be a fourth place constructor. Yes, two twenty three. Oh Aston wow! So two, he'd he'd beat McLaren. Aston Martin's at two twenty one. Yes, McLaren's at one seventy two. He's below Ferrari. He was at two eighty five. But wow, let's think about this for wow. a second. Of course. When you're talking about the longest streak of dominance, you have to go to Mercedes eight constructor titles in a row, which is absurd. And you know what? I, I mean, again, we keep. I keep coming back to this. I keep circling back to it. But so keep circling back. But people keep complaining. Oh, just tape over Max Verstappen's name on the TV. I was so bored of one team winning. I mean, that's new fan experience right there. Mm-hmm. That's that's short sightedness on another level. And Apologies to all the new fans of F1. I'm not trying to come down on you, but get used to it, buddy. Get used to it. Because if you think if you think having if you think having dominance is so boring, then watch another sport. Don't, no, no, don't, no. Keep watching the sport so you can listen to us. That's true. And, uh, yeah, you can still listen to us and all of our 
various and sundry opinions, but are all correct opinions. Well, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what I will say is like if you're sick of watching a dominant team, then root for another team that's not going to come in first and hope lower your aspirations a little bit. It's just be realistic. And man, I keep I'm beating a dead horse. I know I am, but it's it's only fair that I say like just get used to it. I'm not just get used to it. <laughs> I'm not a fan of dominance either, but guess what? It's a part of it and I still enjoy racing because I care about racing more than I do a certain team or a certain driver finishing in a certain place. I I just like to watch I like to watch cars. And I like to watch cars go fast. Known car fan Ben McClurkin. Known I I am. That's that's what got me into F1 cuz I just am such a I'm such a nerd. Um <laughs> mm-hmm. I I love I love racing and I love cars and I enjoy watching teams fight it out on the track. And you know what? If somebody can take the fight to Red Bull, great. If they can't, I don't really care. Because at the end of the day, what you have is is still very highly competitive, super talented drivers competing in the most elite machinery that has four wheels and drives on a track. I, you just can't beat it. You really can't. It's it. It's grown in my heart to be my favorite sport, much less my favorite motorsport Formula One has. And and Red Bull dominating has not affected that. But you know what? I could see them I could see them going on a streak for another two to three years, or I could see um the opposite happening happening next season. Who knows? Mercedes could get it together. I, I mean, mean they're an absolute powerhouse. I mean what Lewis said the other day was He's like, we got six months to close this gap in development. So, six, why? They're literally ditching their car concept. I, Lewis, I disagree with you there, bud. Because they're they're going with an entirely new concept next season. Yeah, he said uh, Mercedes needs uh, best de- development ever to catch Red Bull. Um, he qu- quoting from Hamilton: the next six months has to be the greatest six months of development we've ever had ever we've ever, ever had to close that gap and be banging on the door. <sighs> All right, buddy. Okay. Lewis Hamilton, Lewis. otherwise known as my team, must do better. Yes. Uh, why not Why not promise better results as a driver? Hmm. You tell them. You tell them, Ben. I, I mean, really, let your, let your driving do the talking. Lewis is arguably the greatest driver of all time, and yet he's saying that our car – I mean, I, I get it. He understands cars a lot better than I do. He understands the performance gains needed a lot better than I do because he's in a team and he's getting all of this information. And he's been in Formula One for as long as some of us have been alive. Not me, though. Um, but it's still, I don't know, It's it just still comes off as a bit ridiculous because there are no more performance gains to be had with that concept that will carry over to next season other than information and they they don't know what their car is going to we don't know what their car is going to do how it's going to operate or any of those details because they're coming out with a new concept it's a new car and the the Imola turn Monaco upgrade was a step in a new direction for in season but they said that they're ditching their concept so it's that car is going to look and drive completely differently next year i just don't understand why he would say that they have to have six months of development now on their existing concept 
to catch Red Bull and be knocking on the door because they have they have a year almost to to be hyper competitive again. I think they'll be at the top by twenty twenty five. My thing with Red Bull is I think kind of going off what you said, I think they got another two, maybe three years. Yeah. Just because this Max Verstappen window of twenty twenty eight, I mean I think he'll probably win the next two. Maxwell? Yeah. Next two drivers, probably. And I think Red Bull has a shot at winning the next two constructors. My question is, after next year, what does Perez really mean to that team? What does he, where does he fit? I mean, hold on. But who do, they've had such a weird second driver turnover. It's from, always been that way. From the, yeah, but I don't. it's just so weird that they finally won. And they've won the past two years with them. And then it's like, well, we could just throw him away now because he can't keep up with us. But I mean I mean they've they've done that before. When Seb won the three peat, um there was there was similar scenarios and similar flashpoints to what happened with him between him and Mark Weber. Um for instance, Seb didn't let Mark Weber through after he had wrapped up the championship. And Seb, by Seb, I mean Sebastian Vettel. I know he's not on the grid anymore. Mark Weber is long gone. He's actually managing Oscar Piastri's career right now. So he's still involved. Um, Vettel might make a comeback. We could see that. Who knows? But anyhow, um, there were instances where it's where there was back and forth between between team orders and, you know, a good old multi-21 incident happened between Mark Weber and Sebastian Vettel. They told him to let... They told Vettel to let Mark Webber through to get the win in order to secure the constructors after Vettel had wrapped up his driver's championship, which is crazy that or it, it was it was Vettel was so far ahead of anybody else that Webber needed to pull clear of the guy that was in third, chasing him down for points, and Webber finishing first would be a big deal. Anyways, past aside, that kind that same thing happened between Max and Checo Brazil last year, right? And eventually you have to realize that you are clearly a number two, but also you have to realize that you, you deserve to, you need to score points to secure your constructors um, victory. And you need to score points for that team. But what I'm saying is for Checo, like I think he needs to kind of be on the level of what Baltas was to Hamilton to Kind of secure his seat I, for I next mean, season. I mean, I think he was. I think he is performing he was. on that level. That's why Bottas wound up getting dropped in favor of George Russell because his competitive his competitivity fell off. That's true, but like it tapered. He has heavily. had the same, but like back in like when during some later stages of the Merck dominance, when it wasn't Lewis winning, it was it was him. So. I mean, it's it's the same way with Perez last year when Max didn't win, Checo did. You know, and and. Just depends on the season and their levels of com- competitivity. Um, and do Red I Bull- think Valtteri Bottas is a better driver than Sergio Perez? That 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 really remains to be seen because they've they've been in very di- different situations at different times, and there's no direct comparison you can make to them other than all time points. And that that kind of is deceptive in a way. So yeah, it's Red Bull just has so many juniors. Just oh man, they've got so many guys with a ton of potential. You know. Yeah. Which is going to be a matter of do they want to give for that potential after next season, or do they want to go wait another year for Lando? I don't know. Who do you who do you promote? 
I think Lando would be really cool. I think that's their goal. I think that's the main goal. I think, I think he's the, that's the main goal for him. I think that's also the main goal for Mercedes once um, Lewis leaves. But then both having both drivers be a number one leads to drama, which is what I think Red Bull is kind of afraid of. I mean, it's worked for Ferrari so far, hasn't I it? I think yeah, – Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's worked for Ferrari. It's so, so – man. Ferrari so greatly. killed each other at Monza. That was That was crazy. And I mean, I'm okay with that. I want to see them race. I want to see a competitive battle between the top two drivers. But also, it does kind of help Red Bull out having two drivers who are competing with each other as long as they aren't slowing each other down. And having them compete and pull away from the rest of the field is so much better for everybody because then we have action and we have two really dominant drivers streaking off into the distance and fighting each other the entire way. For example, like uh, Michael Schumacher and... Juan Pablo Montoya for a year or two there. Like those two guys were so much faster than everybody else, and it, it made for some really entertaining TV. All right, and with that, we're gonna head to another break. But do not go anywhere. We have one more section of action for you guys before we send you off on your weekend. Do not go anywhere. Last segment of the show is coming up next. You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle ninety one point one FM. Welcome back, everybody, to the final bit, the last thing. I'm Ben, your good friend. The final topic. The smoothest operator joined alongside me are Griggs and Noah, and we are going to talk a little bit more about some driver stuff because, you know, we just had a race and there's not one coming up, and there's a lot of question marks that remain for the next two seasons or so. Um, one of those being, what is Liam Lawson up to these days, and especially in the future? Yeah, so Liam Lawson got called up. The Red Bull Jr. got called in to replace Daniel Ricciardo with a broken hand. I think Ricciardo should be ready to go after Qatar. Yes. I think that's what I'm hearing. Yes. So he's got so. one more race. He's scored points. Yeah, he has two more races, actually. Two more. He scored two points, which is more this year than Logan Sargent, Nick DeVries, and Daniel Ricciardo have scored. Yes. So he scored two points. That is almost... That is... He scored two out of the five points for Avatari Honda. And and there's potential for more. And there's potential for more, but Liam Lawson, who out-qualified Max Verstappen in um, Singapore. Singapore, that's the one. Um does not have a seat for next year. Potentially, he could have potentially gotten. It came down to the three of them, whether it be him, Ricardo, or Yuki Sonoda. Yeah, there, and they went with Sonoda, which and Ricardo and Ricardo. So interesting it, call. Imagine there. it's going to be him, but what does you honestly? What does keeping Yuki around me for the team? He's shown flashes, but just nothing that just. Yeah, a, a promising junior, especially since it's technically still a sister team. Yeah, I mean, as, as they move more towards independence, they also have to keep in mind the wishes of their um, title sponsor um, and their engine supplier, I guess. I mean, really, Yuki staying is currently more of a mechanism to satisfy the big wigs at Honda. Um 
who do love their motorsport, but they also really love having a Japanese driver. Mm. And, and that's important because it, it seems as though it's guaranteed that there will be a Japanese driver on the grid for a, a meaningful amount of time. It's also good because I think Ricardo's good to kind of get him out of his show a little bit. Yeah, Kind of what I we think saw so. up here. Just with that, just because Ricardo is probably the most marketable person in Formula One. He is, and and Yuki too. He's he's not very much of a PR guy. He doesn't seem to like being in the spotlight unless it's on his terms, which is interesting. I mean, I, again, what I gather from that is from interviews and from Drive to Survive. So it's it's more or less a scripted show. Um, I'm not really. 100% sure about how accurate his persona is in real life compared to what he's portrayed as. But what I will say is that, you know, Ricardo is is just a really good popular public figure in, in the sport. Um, and I also I also know that he's a pretty good driver. Um, I, he is a good driver. And he needs – Daniel Ricardo's role in that team for next season needs to be someone – who can push Yuki to be a, a potential better. top driver. But can will Daniel Ricardo take that up? May, I don't know if he would. I think he's a little bit too focused on trying to smile for the camera. Yeah, I think he – and, I mean, also performance is, is a big deal for him because he was axed from McLaren after horribly under – underperforming i mean just did not deliver um and then red bull gave him a second shot and they put him straight into a horrible car which i don't really feel like was a good decision i i, th- I think they should have either stuck with devree or put liam lawson in the seat sooner um just because ricardo favors a certain type of car and struggles in a car that handles like that mclaren of last year which was um understeery on entry and then oversteery on exit which is not what you want but it it really is just like it, it, it handles very similarly to the alpha tower which is just a horrible car to drive so they say i mean yuki complains about the braking regularly um and that may just be you know an experience or a skill issue <laughs> but yeah i i, I think ricardo could fill that potential um, just as well as Lawson did in Singapore and Japan. But Lawson's results have been very impressive given the, the short amount of time that he had. He had little to no simulator work, and Ricardo has been in the sim all season. But Lawson's advantage is that he's actually driving out on the track um, in Super Formula, which are a, a good deal faster than F2 cars, but not quite as fast as F1 cars. So I, I, I think he's learned a lot about tire management and driving style, and he's he's found a found a good groove there. And I think that could carry over into future Formula One performances, which seemed guaranteed after he scored in Singapore. And he's having fun out there. Oh yeah, that's he's, what we're he's having fun. That's what we're but as long as both teams have fun, that's. That's what matters at the end of the day. Amen. Amen. And um, according to this, Liam Lawson uh, had the same sponsor that Scott Dixon did uh, when he originally was getting into his single-seater career. So maybe Liam goes over to the Americas and races in that good old IndyCar. 
Yeah. Who knows? But what I do know is that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We'll be back again next week. We'll have a preview of the Guitar Grand Prix. But that's all for us today. For Ben McClurk and Noah Phillips, I'm Chris Wankerberg. This has been Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. Missing you today's show. You check it out on your favorite podcast platform later today. Follow us on Twitter if you do feel so inclined at SMOP Podcast. Have a great weekend, everyone, and War Eagle. Enjoy Dega this weekend. That's all we have today for Smooth Operators, Weagle's exclusive F1 show. In case you missed some of the show or just want to relive all your favorite parts, check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Till next time, this has been the smoothest operators of Weagle 91.1 FM.